We are going to take a little break from our uh, uh, series on the book of Revelation because, believe it or not, no matter what the weather is telling you out there, we are heading into, we are into what, what, what I call the Easter season here at the church. So some of you might not know this, and some of you do know this, but we take up an offering for our, our Easter service. The entire offering goes to three missions. One we're going to talk about today. It's a, it's a feeding children program in Haiti. Um, the next one we're going to talk about next Sunday, um, Henry Diani oversees this, and he will be home today at 2 o'clock around this afternoon from Vietnam, distributing the wheelchairs that we purchased last Easter offering last year. And then on March 26th, we're going to talk about the water filter project in Brazil, in the Amazon region in Brazil. Every, they live on the rivers, but there is no clean drinking water there, and that's the mission that, that I oversee. So for the next three Sundays, we're going to promote these, we're going to talk about giving, and um, we're going to be a blessing to people around the world. Amen? Amen? So in just a minute, I'm going to invite Steve Fitter up. We're going to talk about the, the Haiti uh, missions, but before we do, we have a short video that will kind of give you a little oversight of what it looks like. Haiti is one of the most food insecure places in the world. Two-thirds of the population lacks access to adequate sanitation. Out of 10.7 million people, half are undernourished and 22% of children are chronically malnourished. In Haiti, we're feeding children. $180 will feed one child for an entire year. More recently, the civil unrest in Haiti is making it difficult for the ministry to receive fuel to power their generators and at times they cannot cook food for the children. What you see in this video are kids eating bread and bananas instead. When you donate to feed a child, you're also helping them receive the message of Jesus. They have church every day in the cafeteria before they eat. invite Steve Fitter up and we will talk about this a little bit and um, we do have uh, uh, pictures that will be up here on the screen uh, during our interview and then there's some videos that don't have any sound to them but all of the most of the the photographs that you're gonna see today were taken uh, just last week so um, all of this is kind of recent and so Steve my uh, my first question is you know, because of the turmoil in Haiti, you have not been able to, to go there for the past couple of years. So, so um, can you give us an idea of what's happening and, um, and, and why is it so unsafe that you, you can't get there to see, you know, this mission take place? Well, for the past two years, uh, we've gone to Dominican Republic instead of Haiti because it's not safe for us to get in. Uh, the political unrest, I don't know if you guys realize, but the president of Haiti was assassinated. Uh, a while back, um, bad news, the gangs have taken over. So we safely can't get in. Um, I'm not even sure they'd let us in at this point. Okay. So, so what is the area like where the, where the feeding program is located? And then 
how safe is that area compared to everywhere else in the country? Okay, the feeding area, the picture you just saw up here, that's port de pay That's the second largest city in Haiti. Um, it's relatively safe there. Um, the gangs have taken over to a point they're actually trying to break in because there is food there. They're trying to get to the food. Um, it's a bigger city. It's better there than, let's say, Cape Haitian from the stories I'm hearing recently, but it is still not good. It is still dangerous there. The people in the, the town, the children, they truly are scared. I got an email just a few days ago from Diane with some bad news about what the gangs were doing. They're moving back in again. They were there, the police showed up a few months ago, actually killed the, the head of the gang and 11 other gang members. It got a little bit better for a little bit, and now they're coming back in. So it's, it's better there, but still not good. Okay. All right, well, but we're still able to feed the children. Yes, Our every money day. still gets there. So, so what does the, now this is a, a multiple part question, but what does the feeding program look like? And then give us an idea of how many kids per day are fed, how many times a day, you know, and anything else that just might help paint a picture of what it looks like, where they're getting fed. Okay. Um, there's, go these for, are town go pictures, to the next but, picture. Where no, you're fine. Uh, there were pictures up earlier before I came up where, where the children are eating there. That's actually a nutrition center. We built that or help build it, I should say. Um, that's on a lower level. The senior pastor's housing is above this. And this is at street level, and that is for the nutrition center. That's what it was built for. They are feeding 195 children a day, six days a week on average. They have to do it in two waves. Um, they have the children line up on the street. They come in, they actually have a place they can wash their hands. Doesn't sound unusual to us, very unusual in Haiti to think about washing your hands before you eat. Um, they feed the children. Hopefully, you'll see, you see the bowls and stuff. Um, they actually have the carts. It's a really nice situation compared to what Pastor Dave saw years ago. We went, well, we won't, we won't tell those stories. It wasn't clean at all. This is much cleaner atmosphere for the kids, but they actually do a wave of children. They leave, and the other wave comes in. They feed them. Then every day at 2 o'clock, there's food left over. They feed the elderly, and uh, the numbers now are up to 49 elderly people come in. By elderly, we're probably talking 70, 80, 90. I've seen them, but they're, they're people that just have no food. Haiti, um, they don't respect the elderly. Once you get to a certain age that you aren't helpful, you can't earn money, you can't help with the chores and stuff, uh, it's a little different there. Um, so it's a big deal that they're able to help feed some of these elderly people also. Nice. As part of the feeding program that we're involved in. That's part of the food that we're buying. Okay. So now we saw a little bit in that video. Um, is it just food that they get? Or what else comes along with being in that, in that atmosphere like church, education? You know, what else comes with the feeding program? I'm going to put my cheat sheet. Uh, Okay, right below the nutrition center, 20 feet from it, is a church that was also built. And it's kind of neat here. Um, just last Saturday, they had 12 people baptized in the river at the church. Um, this is the same church all these children are going to. Yeah. And if you go to, uh, if any of you are on Facebook much, just search Diana Owens, D-I-A-N-A-O-W-E-N-S on Facebook. Search her. And they're actually current pictures um, of, they took a picture standing up, actually close to the nutrition center, down at the river. It's probably 200 feet below them and a half a mile away. 
but they walked from the church down on a Saturday, and they have pictures of the people walking down and coming back and getting baptized, which is kind of neat. The, the church, they, they have uh, 60 kids in the youth group in their church. She said the church is packed, standing room only, every Sunday. It's a good-sized church, not as big as this one, but it's a good-sized church. Um, she said all our programs are going well. Um, last, uh, two weeks ago, they held a, a medical clinic, and uh, in two days, they saw 193 people. They were able to help with medical stuff and pass out medical supplies also. So they do a lot of stuff mm. there. Okay, Nice. Yeah. I saw, so yeah, if you want, if, to make it a little bit easier, you, you go to my uh, Facebook page, search on my friends list, Diana Owens, mm-hmm. and, and I saw the, uh, I think they even had uh, a little band playing. They did. Uh, they were playing some instruments when they were coming back from the baptisms, mm-hmm. but that is super cool. So, mm-hmm. okay, so a couple more things. Um, once we get, a, there's some of the food right there. Uh, can you explain what that is, Steve? Well... Okay, you, the rice, you have the brown rice, the white rice, and in the bowl there, and they had this when Dave and I were there. Um, you'd get a bowl of rice, and then they'd put some of that sauce, and you get a couple beans, and uh, they're, they're now doing little pieces of chicken. Each kid should get a little piece or two of chicken in with it, so that's the flavoring they pour over the rice. And it's a big deal to get a couple, three, four beans. See, it's a big deal to get three or four beans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they didn't used to get that. Um, before the church got involved financially, uh, back in the beginning, uh, we're talking 2014, it was nothing but a bowl of rice, white rice. So it's gotten better. And every once in a while, they get a banana. You saw pictures where they were eating bread. And something, just so you know, something's changed. Uh, we, this changed over a year ago. In the nutrition center, we built a kitchen area. Um, had all stainless steel appliances. It was real modernized. And we had propane to heat and cook this food, when Dave was down with us last time, they just used charcoal, natural charcoal. They burn the trees and make charcoal. Um, they're back to doing with charcoal. Um, we tried to switch it over to propane. They got to where with COVID and everything going on, they couldn't get propane. So they are back to cooking with charcoal. They do it outside of the nutrition center. They build another room. It's much better than the one Dave and I saw at one time. Uh, to let the heat and smoke out, but they are back to cooking with charcoal um, simply because they can't get propane. Mm. That's a, it, it, you know, so Steve oversees Haiti and Henry Diani oversees Vietnam and I oversee the Brazil, and these, these ministries become a, a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, become, they become an extension of Jesus through you, and uh, we are a part of changing lives. Um, and I'm honored to be a part of all that. So in the next, there's a couple of pictures coming up, Steve. Uh, there's a huge cross. There's a story behind that cross. You had something to do with the, the design and with building that cross. And can you just share with us a couple things, like uh, how tall is that cross? And uh, there it is. And then has it had an effect on the area? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, there was a group of us in Haiti, I don't know the year, let's say six, seven years ago. Uh, we were having dinner one night. It wasn't at this location, even though we were building on this location. We were staying somewhere else at the time. It wasn't done yet. And uh, it just came up in conversation about building a cross, and it instantly went to drawing up plans on a piece of paper. And a couple years later, the foundation went in. The foundation's amazing. That cross is 54 feet tall, solid concrete. 
The top parts are two foot by two foot. You only guess how much rebar is in this. Um, but uh, it's kind of neat. It's definitely a godly thing how this came together and got to be. It took us three years to build this from when I first broke ground one time. Um, to put, it took a year, well, just the trip there, we put the foundation in. The next year, we started uh, with the construction of the cross, got about halfway up. And the following year, we were able to finish a cross, strip it, get it treated and painted. And you can see the lights, how that thing's lit up. You'll notice the moon above it in this particular picture. This picture was taken just a week ago, by the way. Um, the moon above it, see how it looks like a big starburst? Notice how the cross really doesn't have a starburst to it? yet it's lit up that well. We had a company in Florida uh, that I contacted that does monument lighting, like uh, big monuments, famous monuments, and they went and designed these lights for us to our specifications. And there's four lights that light up this cross. The only see reason you can see a little starburst at the top, they even have lights designed that go on top of the arms so you don't get a dark shadow on that side. But that cross from the day that, Dave, were you with me when they lit it? that night. Dave was with me when they hit the switch and we were able to, it was done and we could light it. It was amazing. Um, I'm being told it's never been out since. Um, it runs off cellular and, uh, not cellular, but off of uh, uh, solar panels and batteries and the light has that's never been turned off, um, which is mm. a neat thing. Yeah, since then. Yeah, kind of neat. And, and what kind of an effect has it had, okay. like, well, like, on the that's, area? This like, is the part you're trying to get me to talk about. Yeah. Okay, so when we, when we started to do this foundation, two of us went down on this trip. We went down for another reason, not about the cross, but I ended up putting the foundation in. There's a stone wall there, about four foot tall, and there's a voodoo tree down in the valley. Um, here I am, a bunch of dirt, and I'm wanting to lay out this cross, and it's got a point somewhere, right? So I jumped up on the wall, and... I was able to find the voodoo tree down in the valley. It's a really big tree. And I'm looking at it, and I'm looking back at where we're going to dig, and uh, ended up pointing this cross right at the voodoo tree. Uh, the voodoo tree is dying. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's not much left of it, actually. You have to see this tree. I don't know how old this tree is. It's hundreds of years old. It's a huge tree. Everybody's seen big trees. This is a big tree. Um, Dave, the base, six foot across, eight foot across? Easy eight foot across the base. The, the limbs on it are this big, the limbs. And uh, uh, we went back the next year and, and uh, uh, we went down to look at it and you could actually see it starting to die. Um, big limbs were falling out of this tree and there's not much left of it. As a matter of fact, the voodoo priest in that town, this is the second largest town in Haiti, so this voodoo priest is a well-known person. I don't want to say he's powerful, but he's a well-known person. <laughs> he actually sued, um, was suing because we killed his tree. So even oh, he thinks oh. that cross is killing the tree. Oh, well, that's, well, that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last question here. So um, can you share with us, you know, how much of an impact? So it's $180 feeds one child for one year. Yes. Right? So how much of an impact on a child's life does that donation have? Oh my, uh, they, they wouldn't eat without it. Um, their health, uh, everything. Uh, yeah, that when we're there, it's hard to imagine unless you go there, but there are still today children dying of malnutrition. Mm. So no, um, it's more than a little bit of an impact. Yeah, it's Amen. huge. 
that they get this food. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't want to tell too many stories. I'll get a little cracked up up here, but yeah. It's legitimate. It's a good thing. So, so church, this, this is it. This is the, the kickoff of preparation for the offering that we will take um, on Easter Sunday. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit. I'll give you some stats here in a little bit. And then uh, we're going to talk about giving. So, Steve, thank you so much. Yep, thanks. I appreciate you sharing with us. With our Easter offering coming up, I, I, I kind of refer to this as like our giving series. You know, and um, I don't know. Pastors always get kind of weirded out when you talk about giving because everybody stiffens up and because it's your money and we live in America uh, but but let me just give you a little bit of an example of what our Easter offerings have looked like in the past so year to date we have given away 7,121 wheelchairs in Vietnam since 2010 697 water filters in Brazil since 2017 and 690 children fed for one year in Haiti since 2018. That's you guys. Last year, last year, this church, the entire Easter offering was $86,618. Last year. To date, since 1991, since Pastor Dave started this Easter offering giveaway, this church has given away $1,559,784. million has helped people around the world with our Easter offering. We've, we've done missions, we've done, uh, uh, what do you call that, uh, you know, just in our country missions, foreign missions, um, but church, this church has given away $1.5 million to the kingdom. You're not really just, you know what, let me, how about I rephrase that? We haven't given it away. We've invested in the kingdom. We've invested in God's kingdom with our money. And so here's the thing, you can start giving now. You know, feel free to give to one, two, or all three of these missions. I mean, if every single one of us in here bought one of each, we, we, would change, we would change lives around the world like you wouldn't believe. So you can start giving now, and there's, there's uh, different ways to give. Um, online, you can go to our website, vineyard05.com, and across the top, there's a tab called Missions. If you click on Missions, open that page up, and then there's, a, there's a, uh, 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 this uh, background scene, and you'll see it says Give Here. Click on that. And then you can scroll down, and it'll say, it'll say Easter Haiti, Easter Brazil, Easter uh, Vietnam. You can choose whichever ones you want to designate that to. You can also write a check and put in the memo where you want it to go. If you want to split it up a little bit, if you, you know, however you want to do it. I, I, I give via bill pay, so, so my bank sends a check to the church, and I put stuff in the memo or whatever. Um, or I forgot to bring one up. The Easter offering envelopes will have envelopes. Um, I... I couldn't tell if they're in the bulletin today, but they will be in the bulletin. They're in the bulletin today, and you can designate where you would like your money to go as well. And then if, and then if you're text to give, all right, we can't designate things via text to give, but here's what will happen. That will just get split up three ways. 
if it comes in on Easter Sunday or that week. So those are the ways that you can give to this, uh, this missions work that we do here, that we're invested in here at the church. And so I just want to ask you to, to prayerfully consider being a part of what we do here in this church. We, we consider that our, our tithe or our giving back into the kingdom um, here at Vineyard Community Church. So here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, giving should be a very important part of our faith. Um, what we're going to talk about today is, is what's known as or called the law of reaping and sowing, or in our 21st century language, scattering and gathering. It's a biblical principle in the area of giving. And here's the thing, in all creation, we can see that God is very precise in what he does. Like, just look at how complex the human body is. Like, for instance, yesterday we had our men's breakfast here, and we were involved at the table I was at, as a matter of fact, it was Steve and I and some others, some really deep conversation, like the human eyeball. No, I'm serious. How complex it is. How complex the human eyeball is. Our muscular system, our circulatory, respiratory, the human body. If you cut yourself not bad enough to go to a doctor, your body self, it heals itself. We, we, are, we are so complex, but yet precise and organized. If the earth, you know, the earth floats around the, the planetary system and all of that, the earth is tilted on its axis, everything is just right. If the earth switches one way or the other by just one degree on its axis, we would either burn up or freeze up. The earth is precise, exact, for human life to function on this planet and this planet only. That, that, there's a creator behind that. You know, um, and, and everything is connected by laws. We have, uh, 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 God has established, here's the thing, God has established the universe, everything. It's connected by natural laws, physical laws, and then even spiritual laws. And we get our spiritual laws from the Bible, from the word of God. But there are laws of physics, laws of mathematics, laws of chemistry, laws of nature, and then again, the spiritual laws. And we may not totally understand how all of these laws work. For instance, I don't understand how the law of magnetism works, right? But I know that if I have a compass, it works off of magnetism, and it can help me find my directions. Compass works on the laws of magnetism. I don't fully understand how the law of electricity works. <laughs> but I do know enough not to touch the white and the black wire together before shutting the circuit breaker off. I am not afraid of electricity, but I have a healthy amount of respect for electricity. But, listen, I don't understand how it works. I, I, can, I can do just enough to, to be dangerous, but the fact that I don't fully understand it does not keep me from flipping a switch on and off without being afraid of what's going to happen. And then, how about the big one? The law of gravity. I mean, all of us woke up this morning and put our, foot, our feet on the, on, on the floor without worrying about floating through the room, right? If it wasn't for gravity, we would all be floating around this room or we would have some kind of device on that would keep us grounded to the room. We'd have to secure these chairs to the floor. Think about that. That is, that is 
That is God's design for things. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about God's law of money. See, God has certain laws about finances that we can read about in his word, especially, well, throughout the entire Bible, really. But if you want some quick one-liners, just read the Proverbs. But he has laws of, of spending and laws of saving and investing and managing and, and then laws of giving when it comes to our finances. And these laws are also known as biblical principles, meaning if we do these things, we will see God's blessing in our lives. Or we can choose not to do these things, and then we will miss out on God's blessing with our finances. It's totally up to us. But before we get into uh, 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 giving, I do want to touch on an area of give, giving called the tithe. And the tithe is a little bit different. The tithe is 10% is of our income that we give to the place that we are spiritually fed. If you call this your home church, you tithe to this church, 10%. It's, it's called your first fruits. It's, it's the first 10% of your income. And when we are faithful with our tithes, here's the deal. God will protect our finances. It, it's supernatural. It's what he does. And then I also believe, I believe that when you tithe faithfully, God puts an umbrella of protection over your household. He protects you. And, and it doesn't mean that we'll never have problems and everything's going to be just fine. Like, I'm, I'm tithing now. I, I've done this now for two weeks, and, and I don't understand why I'm still having problems. Here's the thing. We're, we're susceptible to everything that, that happens out in the world, right? We live in a fallen world. The world is corrupt. It's decaying. It's dying. We have an enemy out there that wants to bring us down. But tithing puts a supernatural protection over us. Meaning, if we get hit, like let's say with a financial hardship, all right, God is going to provide the wisdom or the resources or the necessary means to see us through that hardship. And at the very least, he's going to provide peace of mind in knowing that, like, like here's the thing, this is a, a, a a, uh, a phrase you'll often hear in our house. Well, we were caught off guard, but God wasn't. He always, he knew this. He knew the car was going to break down. The, the uh, washer was going to need replaced. He, he, he already knew about this stuff. And when appliances and things break down in our house, we are, we are already taken care of. Now, there's wisdom in your finances as well, right? But, but we don't worry about that in our home because we know that by our ties, God has placed a hedge of protection around us. And then most importantly, here's, here's what it tells God when you tithe. I'm in. God, I'm in. I'm investing in your kingdom. I want to be invested in your kingdom. See, when you tithe, first of all, everything that we have, and we'll, see, we'll talk about this a little bit later, everything that we have comes from God, right? Everything that we have comes from God. Our jobs, our finances, our income, you know, our wisdom, our intellect, everything that we have comes from God. And God says, if you tithe... So here's another thing, too. Tithing, the famous passage is in the book of Malachi, chapter 3. It's the last book in the Old Testament. It's right before the Gospel of Matthew. Tithing is spoken about a lot in the Old Testament in the first five books, and then a little bit in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews. Just kind of mentioned there. But what tithing says is, God, 
I understand that everything I have is yours. I know that you require 10% of my income, which comes from, actually, let me, re, let me rephrase that, 10% of the income that you have poured into my life, and I want to give back to your kingdom. It helps finance the kingdom of God. It helps God do what he wants to do financially within the kingdom. Because it's not that God needs our help, it's that we are partnering with him in what he wants to do. And here's the thing, tithing and giving beyond the tithe will start a whole new adventure in your walk with God. Like, first of all, if you're struggling with your finances and you don't tithe, my first response to you is going to be, you should tithe. If you're not hearing God and you don't know why it just doesn't seem like you're not hearing from him and, and it just seems kind of, you know, whatever and you're not tithing, I'm going to suggest you start tithing. You will hear from God, especially if you're married, because then what will happen is you both will start hearing from God through each other. It's just how it works. It's supernatural. And when a person tells me, you just don't understand where I'm at financially, I, I, I can't afford to tithe right now. My response, and, and listen, it's, it's with mercy, is I cannot afford to not tithe. That's how sold out I am in, in tithing, you know? And when we understand, the, 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 again, when we understand the principles of this, this is where your adventures with God start. Because, again, we'll talk about this later on here in a minute, but tithing is what creates a generous heart when we tithe. So, so it means that we're holding things loosely and we're allowing God to move through us with our finances. So I want to read a passage um, about the, the law of proportion, is what, is what it is, and this is a biblical principle, and this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read from uh, verses 6 through 10. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's taken up a collection for the Christians in Jerusalem. He's, he's in Corinth, and this is part of his message to them. He says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must, eat, you, much, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So what this is saying is Those who give sparingly get little back in return. And those who give generously get more back in return. You know, you might be saying to yourself, well, yeah, Chip, I mean, a farmer who doesn't scatter much seed is not going to get much of a crop. Of course, everybody knows that. Well, here's the deal. God's kingdom works in the same way. See, when you give lots of love and lots of grace and lots of mercy to people, that's what you'll get back. When you invest your time and, 
and you volunteer and you help others and and you're one of those people that if you see somebody uh, flat tire on the side of the road doesn't matter who it is you're going to pull over and you're going to stop what you're doing you're going to help them out that's what you're going to get back you're going you're to have an unlimited resources of help and and time and, and things of that nature did you know that, that, that if you give of your time a lot, and, and, you know, time is sacred here, right? I mean, we only have so many hours in a day. I remember one time I was so short on time that I stopped reading my Bible. And then I, and then I said to a pastor, a, a children's pastor here years ago, I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just struggling, man. I just don't, I just don't feel, just something just, just feels off. And without even skipping a beat, he goes, how's your Bible reading going? I was like, we're going really good. I went home, and I was like, i got to get back into reading the Bible. And as soon as I opened it up, something changed within me. Something alive leapt within me. And so I read the Bible for half an hour, and wouldn't you know it, I had like an hour and a half of time that I didn't think I was going to have that evening. Like, God just supernaturally opened this window of time for me. That's how it works. If you, it's supernatural. And, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to, to, to experience it, but you, the trust, it, the, the trust has to be there. You know, so again, if a farmer just plants a few seeds, he's going to be foolish to think he's going to get a large crop. If, if, if he doesn't invest much with his seeds, he's not going to get much in return. We, we can all say that's common sense, Chip. I mean, the farmer should know better. Well, again, God's kingdom is the same way. If we invest little, why would we expect to get much back in return? If you're not investing in God's kingdom, why are you expecting him to answer every single prayer that you're asking him to answer? If your finances are, are, are struggling and you're not investing in God's kingdom, don't be surprised when your finances are struggling. I'm telling you, church, it's just the way it is. It's supernatural. We get as much out of God's kingdom as we are willing to put into it. That's how this works. It's, it's it, just like the law of gravity and the law of physics and the law of electricity. These are, this is a law of giving. Verses 7 and 8. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Well, that sounds nice. Listen, we're told in this passage here, first of all, figure out, we need to figure out how much we can give, right? Or how much we want to give to a cause. I mean, Paul is telling the church here, and the Bible is telling us, listen, figure it out. How much in your heart you decide? How much do you want to give? You know, when we give generously, God gives back in a generous manner with plenty left over. And we should give according to what we have. Here's the thing. We're all on different levels financially, right? So if I make, you know, $10,000 a year, this is gonna, we're just going to be odd numbers. If I make $10,000 a year and I have a friend who makes $70,000 a year, I can't expect my giving to be on, on the same level as his, Right? So I've got to figure that out. I've got to figure out where my level of giving is that works with where my faith is at and, and, and give in, 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 in accordance to that. Give in that manner. And then do it cheerfully. See, giving cheerfully or giving reluctantly is a heart posture. 
Where is your heart at when it comes to giving? Where is your heart at when it comes to investing in God's kingdom? You give cheerfully, or, or are you like, Easter comes around every year, and they always want us to give to this, and so I'll do it. How would you like your best friend's relationship with your best friend to be like that? I'll go hang out with you, but it's not what I wanted to do tonight. I was expecting you to do everything I wanted to do. It's a give and take. It's a relationship that we have with our creator. You give cheerfully. He's going to give you plenty left over to give some more. And you get to have some too. That's just how it works. And, you know, here's the deal. Kim and I have made this a part of our finances. We, I am so glad that in my early walk, my, my faith early, I, I, money was never, it wasn't even, I didn't even flinch. Bible tells me to give, I'm giving. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. That's just how I was, how I, my first step into faith was. But we give above and beyond as much as we can. And, and, and sometimes we give like sacrificially. Like that means like, I don't know how God's going to cover this, but Kim might have a number. And I, it used to be, I always always have a big, bigger number. And then, and then Kim would be like, all right, let's do it. And now Kim's the one and I'm like, man, where's my face at? And we challenge each other because we know that God already has everything taken care of. Everything is taken care of. And, and again, there's got to be some wisdom in this, right? Like, like, don't not pay your mortgage so you can give. Don't rack up your credit cards so your giving statement looks good. Give out of what you have. We, we do it with a mindset of being a blessing to the kingdom. You know, when we go out to eat, we, we, we usually we have gift cards, first of all. You know, and then we're not drinkers, so our tab is not as high as everybody else's. But we give it in accordance to what that bill would be. And then we give beyond, because you know what? It's God's money. And I don't even care if we get bad service. I really don't. I, want, I know that that money can be a bigger blessing than anything I say or can do to that server. Because it could change their day. And it's God's money. So he's going to use that well after we leave the restaurant. And listen, right now, I know what some of you are thinking. Grocery bills, gas bills, interest rates, inflation. How am I supposed to give this year at Easter? Well, I think the same thing. I mean, <laughs> doing the math, a year ago and today, we're spending like, what, over $500 a month on grocery bills. And we're not buying anything extra. I'm sure you can all attest to that. We have two teenage kids. One eats like a horse and one eats like a rabbit. So there's not... <laughs> there's, there's not like... There's a good balance there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but our grocery bills are outrageous. It's like, it's like Kim doesn't... Like, I didn't get anything extra. I know you didn't. Jeez, Louise, it's crazy. But you know what? I don't care. Doesn't bother me. Bothered me a few months ago. I was like, oh, it's getting nuts, man. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because here's the thing. <laughs> what we have left over is always the same. 
We are never left wanting from paycheck to paycheck. It, we always have the same amount left over. So we don't care. We don't spend frivolously. We use wisdom. But I don't care what the world's economy tells us where we are at. Because God's economy tells me our family will be okay. So that's what we live by. And then just as a side note, some people will say that, you know, this passage does away with, with tithing. You know, just give what you can. You just give what you can. That's all God is asking. Well, well, again, I'm going to say, is that what God really expects out of me in a relationship? Hey, hey Chip, just give me what you can, and I'll give you everything I've got. Just, I don't care. Give what you can. I want to give God my best in life. I want to live my life according to the way he wants me to live my life. I want to give him my best. I live my life knowing that at the end of time, I will stand face to face with Jesus, with how I was a husband, with how I treated people, with how I pastored this church, and I want to give him my best. And if I'm going to stand up here and ask you to give money to these missions, you better believe I'm going to give as much our family is that we can give as well. You know, we, we, we tithe out of the acknowledgement of what God does for us. We tithe as a way of honoring the relationship with him. We tithe because he provides for us and we give back because of his provision. And I think verse 10 kind of supports this. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. God supplies all of that. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. When we understand that everything we have is from God, and then we start giving back to God the 10%, a, a heart of generosity begins to form, and we begin giving above and beyond the tithe. This passage right here in verse 10 tells me that everything we have comes from God. God is the one who provides Seed for the farmer, and then bread to eat. He provides the job, the seed for the farmer to make his money, and he provides the food that's put on his table. And that it is God who gives us the resources to give back to his kingdom. And then when we give back, he will continue to pour his blessings into our lives because we do it out of a good heart posture of being a generous person, a generous giver. And then the provision that we receive from God, it could be several things. Maybe you are dealing with a financial hardship, and all of a sudden this unexpected check comes in the mail. Or all of a sudden that bill that was looming over your head, you call the credit person and they say, hey, you know what, this has happened to me before. Hey, you know what, don't worry about it. We waived the, we waived the fee. Don't worry about it. That's a financial breakthrough. It could be a restoration in relationships, like, like God could supernaturally restore a relationship of yours that fell apart. It could be a healing that you've been praying for for years. It could be your marriage could all of a sudden just become what it once was when you first fell in love with each other. It could be an answer to prayer. You know, the provision that God gives us comes in all shapes and sizes and forms that, that oftentimes we weren't looking for it, and there it is. And then honestly... I think the most important blessings are those that we don't see because God kept a hardship from crossing our paths when we didn't know it was coming. I often think of how bad a day or a week could have been because God said, you know what, a chip's going through a lot this week. You're not going to, this isn't going to happen. I, I believe that with all my heart. 
And then Psalm 112, and this is quoted in, 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 in that passage here. We'll just look at verse, read the entire psalm if you want. I just want to look at verse 1 and 9. Praise the Lord, the Lord, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. That, that word fear means to be in awe of. It doesn't mean to be afraid of. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Imagine that. Our good deeds in the area of giving to those in need will be remembered forever. And not only will God give back to us generously, but we will also have influence and honor. That is something that only God can do through our giving, through our generosity. It's supernatural. For those who understand the principle of giving, it becomes a way of life. Because you want to try to outgive God. And, and try. Because you won't be able to. He, he will pour so much into your life, you, you just, you're, you're good. You won't know what to do with it. God sees our giving as proof of our love for him. As proof of our trust. In him. And so I'll close it with this, bring it home with this. You may not be able to physically go to any of these countries that Vineyard Community Church supports uh, Brazil, Haiti, or, a, or a Vietnam, but your giving ushers in the presence of God to those who need it. God comforts the hurting and meets the needs of those with the giving of our gifts. See, see, the money that we send to these missions, the money that you give, becomes a gift to the person on the receiving end. Did you know that? It's a gift. Like, like our giving glorifies God because it acknowledges everything that we have and it, it acknowledges everything we have belongs to him. Our giving goes to a country where the gospel is not allowed to be preached in Vietnam. Our giving goes to a country where children are fed for an entire year in Haiti. And our giving goes to a country where people live on the rivers in the Amazon and there's no clean drinking water. There's water everywhere and it's all contaminated. Our giving brings the love of Jesus to those who may not feel loved at all. And this is what our Easter offering is all about. Loving those who have felt neglected. Loving those who have never experienced a touch of Jesus. And so be in prayer, church, for how much you would like to give for this, this Easter service. And then together, as a church family, let's be a blessing to those in need. Amen? Let's pray. Every year, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and, and really just blown away by, by how we, we give to these missions. And so I want to ask right now, Lord God, that you would begin to speak to each one of us about the area of giving, about what we can give this Easter so that we can be a blessing to your kingdom, Lord God, so that people can receive a gift from this church, Lord God, a gift that ushers in your presence and a touch of their Savior, Jesus Christ, can come into their lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen.